Hi, I'm a Wilkes. I'm a Nelson. I'm a Grop. And I'm a Spute. And we call ourselves the Wings. It's an acronym. We are just four ordinary moms with extraordinary bonds. The Lord gathers us all under His wings as a hen gathers her chicks, and we hope to offer a place to gather for our friends, family, and all who wish to join us. So welcome to our podcast conversation under His wings. Hi, welcome to 2021. I'm Connie Wilkes. I'm Marlene Nelson. I'm Jerry Gropp. And I am Sherry Spute. This is one month into 2021, but you know, this is our first podcast of the new year. And we just wanted to remind you of why we are doing this podcast. Um, we are friends. We've been friends for many, many years, many oh, decades. Let's go through that. Yeah. And we're just... Um, really united in our belief of the Savior. And that's really why we started this podcast, is we wanted to testify of the Savior. And so what better way to start out this year but by speaking of the Savior of the world, the Prince of Peace, our wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. I love that. Um, In Doctrine and Covenants 135, it says, For I am no respecter of persons, and will that all men shall know that the day speedily cometh, the hour is not yet, but is nigh at hand, when peace shall be taken from the earth, and the devil shall have power over his own dominion. End quote. Now this revelation was given back in 1831 to the prophet Joseph Smith. Then, just a few short hundred years later, in 1937, we heard from the prophet Joseph F. Smith. He said, quote, One year after the organization of the church, peace could not have been taken from the earth in justice, but the Lord said that the time would speedily come. That time has come. Peace has departed from the world. The devil has power over his own dominion. This is made manifest in the actions of men, in the distress among the nations, in the troubles that we see in all lands, including this land which was dedicated to liberty, There is no peace. Men's hearts are failing them. Greed has the uttermost place in the hearts of men. Evil is made manifest on every side, and people are combining for their own selfish interests. Okay, now here we are some 90 years later after that quote, and we certainly live in a time when peace is not on the earth. Yet, we want to reiterate that it does not need to be taken from our lives. When, um, there's a song that I love, called, and it says, when there's no peace on earth, there is peace in Christ. And that's one of my favorites. I love that song, too. Um, did any one of you, did you guys see the Christmas star? I did. In yeah. December? I didn't get to see it that night. I'm sad. I know. We, we went out and looked, but because of where we were in the clouds, we couldn't see yeah, it. Yeah, it was just right after dusk, hmm. and you could just see this star. It was so cool. So it happened on December 21st, where Jupiter and Saturn came the closest that they had been in 800 years. They call it the Great Conjunction. 800 years ago, an astronomer, (laughs) (laughs) easy for me to say, Um, Johannes Kepler, after viewing a Great Conjunction in the year of 1603, theorized that the Star of Bethlehem, if it ever existed, 
might have been a triple great conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn, so people call it the Christmas star. Does anyone think it a mere coincidence that 2020 was a year that the planets would align perfectly to form a Christmas star that may have been seen on the night of the Savior's birth? The star that had angels proclaiming that Christ had been born and peace on earth goodwill toward men, the same star that had shepherds running toward their Savior with haste. I, for one, believe it is no coincidence. The same God that formed the earth and put the stars and planets into orbit knew exactly when the planets would align, and it would be a year of great sadness and turmoil and unrest, and he knew exactly what it could mean for those that look and behold, especially in a year of so many struggling to feel even a shred of peace in their lives. The Lord wants us all to remember that he is still here. He is still the God of heaven and earth. Yeah, today we just want to share some thoughts with you about our Savior. Some will come from the conference talk by Neil L. Anderson entitled, We Talk of Christ. We want to share with you our testimonies of the one who saves, the one who lifts our burdens, the one who came to earth in the most humble of circumstances, who was a God, but yet a helpless baby that had to grow in wisdom line upon line. He is our Savior and our Redeemer. It is so important that we not only remember him as that tiny baby laid in a manger, but we must also remember that he is mighty to save, even us. Elder Anderson points out in his talk, Like a guiding star in a clear, dark sky, Jesus Christ lights our way. He came to earth in a humble stable. He lived a perfect life. He healed the sick and raised the dead. He was a friend to the forgotten. He taught us to do good, to obey, and to love one another. He was crucified on a cross, rising majestically three days later, allowing us and those we love to live beyond the grave. With his incomparable mercy and grace, he took upon himself our sins and our suffering, bringing forgiveness as we repent and peace in the storms of life. We love him. We worship him. We follow him. He is the anchor of our souls. He really is, you know, the anchor, mm-hmm. I think. And it's interesting. I was listening to, well, actually, I was reading a news article that was, um, that I get some news into my inbox. And this was um, actually, a, a, they quoted a study done from Pew Research. Um, and it was just from this past December in 2020. They were... Um, they had just taken like a, a poll of over 4,700 and some odd um, people, and they were asking them if what their belief in God of the Bible was. And, oh my goodness, I was amazed that the people's responses from that study, um, even just from a decade ago, showed that you know the number of Americans who believe in God is slowly declining. Um, they might believe in a higher power, but they don't believe uh, in the God of the Bible. And so as we testify of Christ, I mean, you were just talking about what we believe of Christ. They're taking Christ pretty much out of the equation in a Mm -hmm. sense, and it's just devastating me. Um, Elder Anderson, actually, he talked of that in that recent talk, um, revealing that in the last 10 years, uh, 30 million people in the United States 
have stepped away from believing in the divinity of Jesus Christ. You know, so looking worldwide, another study predicts that in the decades ahead, more than twice as many will leave Christianity as will embrace it. Oh, that's so sad. That so sad. I mean, the very being that can heal us and bring us greater purpose, peace, you know, happiness, people are turning away from. It, Elder Anderson's words hit me so hard. He said, quote, you and I speak of Jesus Christ, but maybe we can do a little better. If the world is going to speak less of him, who is going to speak more of him? We are. We are. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Along with other devoted Christians, unquote. Absolutely. Elder Anderson goes on to say, quote, Some of our fellow Christians are at times uncertain about our beliefs and motives. Let us genuinely rejoice with them in our shared faith in Jesus Christ and in the New Testament scriptures that we all love. In the days ahead, those who believe in Jesus Christ will need the friendship and support of one another. This last year, I attended a Bible study at a local Christian church in Hope building bridges there and I really enjoyed the association with the other women that I got to know there and and enjoyed learning from them and their insights into the scriptures and I I have found that if we stay focused on what we have in common which is our belief in the Savior Jesus Christ it is easy to connect it really is um I have a story I was I sell a product and I'm at a trade show a couple of times a year actually and except for COVID that's totally put a damper to the trade shows but um oh there's a cool experience I had I had gotten a phone call and um it was from my daughter telling us about my little grandson Everett's diagnosis being positive about for cystic fibrosis and I mean I was sitting at this booth with this information and it just devastated me. And I was completely in shock. And I was happening to mention to my booth neighbor what that phone call was about. And she did not know my beliefs, but immediately said, come over here. I want to say a prayer with you. And she offered the most beautiful prayer. And it just brought such a peace to me. And she really strengthened me. And I, I remember thinking, what a bold move. I mean, I'm so grateful she did that. And um, in just like, I don't know, a few trade shows later, totally different booth neighbor, um, I got a phone call from my pharmacy saying that the medication I'd been on for years was now being recalled because it had cancer-causing agents in it. And thinking about, oh my gosh, I have been on this medicine for probably five years. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, great. What does that mean to my health? And that booth neighbor, she came over and she said, she put her hand on my shoulder and offered a prayer in the name of Christ. And I mean, these two experiences were remarkable. So then the whole rest of the show, um, you know, we have lots of minutes and hours with in between customers coming up and talking to us that we had some of the most great discussions on our faith and on Christ and how we've seen Christ in our lives. And I wonder had they not had that bold um, opportunity to share with me their testimony of Christ, I would have probably 
not have that strength and I don't know why. Why is that? Why do we hesitate? My testimony is strong. And yes, I'm sure there's many times when I've had interactions with other people, but those two made a difference in my life. And I don't know if I've made a difference in other people's lives, but I do know that's why we're doing this podcast is we want to testify of him and, and whoever finds this podcast or if our posterity needs it, we are testifying. That's what it's about. And they will never doubt mm-hmm. what we believe. No. <laughs> right? right? No. Oh. oh, that's beautiful, Connie. Um, my husband, Michael, also has a gift of being able to reach out and talk to anyone that um, he sees. And we often joke at home that dad got a new friend today, you know. <laughs> He doesn't seem to know a stranger, and he is never hesitant to never. share his testimony and, and mm-hmm. or his love of the Savior with all that he comes in contact with, And which reminds me of a quote from Elder Anderson's talk. Um, he says, My dear friends across the world, let us talk of Christ, anticipating his glorious promise. Whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father. Um, there's one particular example of this. Last summer in of 2020, out of the blue, he went to pick up some equipment from a customer who had just been through a traumatic loss of his grandson drowning in their pond in the back of their house. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. that's so sad. Um, over a thousand people were in the neighborhood looking for his grandson for three days. Michael was able to share, and he had rented some equipment, and Michael went there to pick it up, hearing about the experience but didn't know this man, but ended up um, being on his in his driveway. But uh, Michael was able to share the love of the Savior with this man and the truths of the covenants and eternal life. They felt a huge connection and bond They had tears and hugs with each other and later even went to breakfast together. Michael didn't even feel like it was a coincidence that he ended up on this man's driveway um, at that time when he did. It was always, it's always been a tender experience to Michael and David, their family's journey relocating to Idaho and the request, and sorry, the quest to find answers from the Lord is a divine journey. At breakfast, David told Michael that he had never had a discussion and talk like this in his entire life. It was a powerful discussion. Um, Michael opened his mouth, and the Lord filled in all the significant details customized for David, the patriarch of the broken-hearted family. There was great rejoicing and purpose. That is so sweet, so beautiful, and Michael is such a good example to all of us. Absolutely. To open our mouths to be there and to feed those wandering sheep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've thought recently a lot about the apostles after Christ died. Um, they just, you know, their Savior, they had, they had followed him and taught with him, and now he was gone. And so they went back to doing what they knew. They went fishing. And as they were getting closer to the land after a night of fishing and catching nothing, they saw a man on the shore. And that man asked them if they had caught anything, and they answered with a despondent no. And the stranger told them to cast on the right side. Can you just imagine what those men were thinking? 
This is exactly what happened at the very beginning of their ministry. Can you imagine the joy in their hearts at realizing that this was their Savior? That he was dead, he rose that third day, and he accomplished his mission, and now he was back. And of course, we read that Peter hopped out of the boat and ran to shore, and I like to think that that's what I would have done, mm-hmm. not caring who's bringing in the boat. Connie's back there taking care of everything. <laughs> <laughs> but um, then we know that all they all sat on this shore together, and the Savior asked Peter, Lovest thou me? Three times he asked him that. And he asked, and each time Peter answered, Yes, of course, you know I love thee. And after reading this the last time, it struck me, what the Lord says to Peter. He said, feed my lambs. Then he says two times, feed my sheep. And I've always thought of that statement as the Lord telling Peter to get out there and spread the gospel. What are you doing here? You know, why are you fishing? Go preach the gospel Bring all the sheep back into the fold. Yeah, me too. As a matter of fact, um, that's the scripture that my daughter Catherine has on her missionary plaque hanging at church. She has such a love for the Savior that she wanted to go out and feed his sheep. And that is what she's trying to do, spread the gospel, casting her nets in a new way on the other side of the boat, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, as they've had to learn how to find others and, and teach them all through social media. Yeah, you know it's a it's a challenging time to be a missionary for sure during COVID. But I'm so proud of her and and Emma, Marlene's daughter, who are out I there know. doing things in new ways and and reaching out to the Lord's lamb and sheep. But I know Jerry, you said that you had some additional insight here on the thought of feeding lambs, not Versus just sheep. sheep. Mm-hmm. Right, right. You know, taking the gospel. That is, they knew that that was their mission. But I wondered why he said first to feed the lambs. And so I started thinking more about lambs. You know, how are they different than sheep? They're still dependent on their mothers for food and protection. They're young, they're inexperienced, and they can't really take care of themselves the way that sheep can. And so what's the Lord trying to tell us? And what was he telling me in my moments of pondering and meditation? I felt like he was telling me to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, and care for the lonely. Immediately, I thought of this talk by Sister Eubanks to BYU students called Turning Enemies into Friends. It's a wonderful talk, and I'd, I'd suggest you all go out and read it because it's <clears throat> you we'll can post, find it. Yeah, we yeah, can we post, can post it. On it. Our yeah. She talks about how the real gift of giving is the gift of ourselves, our time, our energy, and our testimonies. She said that we don't have to travel around the world to do humanitarian service. Each of us in our own hum- is our own humanitarian organization. She spoke of the Savior and his ministry and how he ministered one by one. <clears throat> he walked hundreds of miles to find one person. Yet, that is how he planned to get the gospel to all the world, right? was one by one. Because if he could touch one heart, then that heart could touch another. I was just finishing a book called The Pilgrim Hypothesis. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are so many dynamic stories of lives intertwined with other lives. And the preparation the Savior had done to get certain people's 
hearts pricked to questions and a desire to search and to learn. And I got thinking, well, some of those, you know, I don't think I have a grand purpose per se, but I thought there was a couple of experiences where one person said one thing to one soul, yeah. which sparked them to go to the right place to find more answers. And I thought, okay, I, I can just testify where I'm at and who the Lord wants to hear that for them to go and do what he needs them to do. I can be a link in that chain. Totally. And you think back to the difference I was thinking about lamb and sheep, um, how much more tender you feel towards a lamb than than sheep and how um, you want to take care of them. You want to, you get attached to a lamb. Mm -hmm. They're so much more helpless. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's probably why, Jerry, you thought of your own children and thought of those that are naked or hungry, those that are dependent upon someone else in the moment for whatever reason, either because they're young or because they're just in a difficult situation. I I wonder. Yeah. I mean, think about lambs. Are they... Do they already always know the shepherd's um, call? Are they just learning the yeah. shepherd's call? Yeah. And as the sheep, they totally, you know, already are know. already. I don't know. I just mm. had that thought. Mm. Um, Sister Eubanks, she says this perfectly. She said, if we change our perspective so that caring for the poor and the needy is less about giving stuff away and more about filling the hunger for human contact, providing meaningful conversation, and creating rich and positive relationships, then the Lord can send us someplace. Every single person can do this on his or her own. You don't need a a fund, but it's going to take some commitment. Some people are not going to respond positively, and others are going to put out toxic energy, which just means they are not yet ready for your relationship. There are always humanitarian places that we can't yet reach, but there are plenty that we can reach. And that make me, makes me think of your, your example with Michael, that, that man with that broken heart, he was ready, right, to receive that message, and so he was able to feed him and yeah. the truth, and um, he was ready to receive it, but yeah. of course not everybody is, there'll be some that we want to share that truth with that might not be ready, Yeah, but as... As you mentioned earlier, the Lord will confess to his Father, you know, those of us that confess him and his name to others. Yeah. So. Yeah, I love that thought of being able to be our our own missionary or our own humanitarian service. I just love that. And, you know, being moms, we, are, we have a, our own humanitarian <laughs> <laughs> effort going every day. Every day. Feeding those hungry souls. <laughs> well, um, I work at an orthodontist office, and I know I've said this before in other podcasts, that I started when I had two girls that went on missions at the same time. You know, that's a huge chunk of money to come up with all of a sudden. But when I think of my huge needs, I'm always reminded of the story of Christ telling Peter to go catch a fish, the first fish he caught, and open its mouth, and in it would be money to pay their temple taxes for he and Peter. I've always just been in awe of that story, and I think of it often. I tell my kids, if you need something, the Lord will provide. Um, This was a worldly need that the Lord was aware of, 
And the fish in my story was in the form of sitting in my daughter's new orthodontist office that we had recently switched to from another one. And a friend of mine that worked there came up and whispered in my ear, do you want a job? And I was sitting there thinking, what? I hadn't worked outside the home in over 20 years. And then that was at a dental office, not an orthodontic office. But knowing that I shouldn't look a gift fish in the mouth, I (laughs) said that I would talk to my husband about it. And now here I am, six years later, working at a job I love in that orthodontic office. It's so funny. (laughs) You think about a mouth, a fish, mouth, money, and yeah. (laughs) It all goes together. (laughs) So symbolic. (laughs) Oh, well, I started part-time working there um, when finances got tight, and I started working more full-time. And right before COVID hit, I just had this feeling that I really needed to be home more. I thought I would need to get a job. I mean, the the Lord was really telling me I needed to work from home. And I thought I would need to get a job that would allow me to be home. So I let my boss know that, that I was looking. And then I felt inspired to make a job proposal to my boss and show him how I could work from home and still be an asset to his business. And he agreed. And then suddenly COVID hit. And from that was born this virtual consult that I began to implement and carry out, which was such a blessing a blessing for him and a blessing for me because on my family side, suddenly my kids were home and needed me more than ever. And I was still able to help our family financially, but there would there would be an opportunity for me to be home to help my kids with school or sit on the bed with a sobbing teenager or a young adult or go to my son's sporting events and play ping pong with my 12-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like the apostles in fishing, for me, working and going to school and being a wife and mom and homemaker and chef are what I know. They're what I do. But my Savior knows who I am. And he has a work for me to do. And he has a work for all of us to do. I have to feed the naked. And usually that's my children. <laughs> with the Or the loads of laundry we take to the thrift store or... Uh, not laundry. We don't take laundry. To the <laughs> I do wash it before we take it. <laughs> or, you know, taking things to the homeless shelter. I care for the lonely. And many times that's just my own kids. Or someone he puts in my path that I just strive to look for each day. Now, please don't think I do anything extraordinary because I don't. Um, I just love my Savior. And I want to be his disciple. And so I ask him each day for the strength and the eyes to see who he wants to put in my path that day. Many times those are people in my office or that I talk to on the phone. I know that each of us can feed his lambs and feed his sheep. Yeah, we can. And we've each been blessed with a lot of little lambs to to shepherd (laughs) over the last few decades. And as we've um, started to reach a new, uh, what, in life, a new chapter? Chapter. You know, the Lord has also provided even more opportunities in which we can look outside of our family and offer that. And I know that um, it's also through our callings that the Lord has asked us to feed his lambs. I have the privilege of working with the young women in my church, and I love how at times I can feel the Lord working through me as I reach out 
to some that are struggling or have needs that need filled. It's at those times that I can sure feel the love that the Lord has for each of us individually. One day as I was walking through Desert Book, I stopped and looked at the jewelry, and there was a, ne a necklace there that I felt prompted to buy. You know, and I, I wasn't sure why, but so I just took it home and set it on my bathroom counter, and after about six weeks, it was still sitting <laughs> on my bathroom counter, and I looked at that, and I thought, you know, maybe I should return it. And, um, but again, I had the distinct impression not to, that I was going to need it for someone, so I let it sit there longer. And um, a couple of weeks later, I found out on a Sunday at church that one of my young women was going to the doctor for some testing in the morning, early in the morning, to determine if a large lump on her neck was cancerous. And as you can imagine, she was feeling a little scared and unsure of what lay ahead for her. And so I wanted to do something for her that day, that evening, to let her know that I was thinking about her and praying for her, and then the impression came, the necklace is for her. Oh, so now, yeah, now the Lord knew weeks earlier that it was going to be a Sunday afternoon, a day that I try to choose to honor by not shopping, that I was going to want a gift of some sort for this young lady. And um, he provided that. <laughs> and when I gave it to her, I also felt impressed that I was to share the story behind it so that she would know it wasn't just me that loved her and was thinking about her, but it was the Lord that was also aware of her weeks in advance that she was going to be going through this situation and wanted her to know that he was there thinking of her and was going to be with her through that. Another example of how the Lord is always aware of us and showing up in the details of our life happened recently for my daughter while on her mission. She, she'd received some really sad news and was feeling really heartbroken. And for those of you that know my daughter, she is such a sweet, tender-hearted young lady and so very loving. And we have really grown close over the last couple of years, and we share everything we ch with each other and which I'm so grateful for. She always calls me her best friend, which I love. And when she's feeling down, which is rare, but when she would be, she would always come home and pour out her heart, you know, to me and cry, and I'd just hold her, hug her, and Dad would hug her. Well, here she is now, thousands of miles away, serving a mission. And... And there are no hugs to be found. You know, when you're so isolated and um, there's no family around, they're not allowed to go into people's homes or even approach people on the street. It's just her and her companion 90% of the time in that apartment doing their best to do missionary work. And, and so she would pour her heart out to the Lord and and gratefully, as he does, he would often relieve much of that heartache so that she could focus on her missionary work during the day. It was just the evenings that late at night, you know, that would be extra tough. But uh, when we talked on P-Day, she said through her tears, Mom, I just need a hug. Well, that week, it was actually the next day, their um, carbon monoxide alarm went off. And this had never happened before. And so um, an older gen gentleman came in to check on it and she said, Mom, you wouldn't believe how much he reminded me of Dad. 
and he came in and checked things and everything was fine and so he just stopped and asked how long have you girls been out serving and and you know they talked with him a minute and he said you know if I was your father I would tell you how proud of you I am and to keep going to keep up the good work and then he looked at Kat and he said sister I think you need a hug and so we proceeded to give her a big big bear hug you know she said that Normally, she would have stuck it her, out her hand yes. for a handshake or right. going for that side hug because that's more mission appropriate. But in the moment, she recognized that that was the Lord sending a man, that man to her to give her that hug that she so desperately needed. I testify that God lives. We have a loving Heavenly Father who sent his son, who was born as a baby and laid in a manger. He lived suffered and died for each one of us so that he could be mindful of us in moments like that, like what Kat was experiencing. He knows our every need. He knows our, our deepest sorrows, our greatest fears, our greatest joys and happiness, and he is there to see us through each one of those. He is our advocate with the Father. He champions us. He loves us. I testify that he lives today and will live forever. I testify that we have a Father in heaven who loves us, and that if we'll but turn to him in prayer, he will, in his own way and in his own time, answer us and give us exactly what we need. I love them, and I'm so grateful for this opportunity to share my testimony on the, this podcast and with each of you, my dear friends, and I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I want to add my testimony to Sherry's, that I love him, that I know that we have a Heavenly Father who is our Father, and his Son, Jesus Christ, came to earth for each one of us and loves us. And I want to testify to each person listening today no matter where you are in life, no matter what your thoughts are, no matter what you feel like your actions are, whether you feel like you're worthy of his love or of anything good in your life, he knows you, he knows your name, and he loves you, and he wants to get to know you, and he, his enabling power can change your life. His grace can transform you. And I know he is transforming me each and every day of my life. And I am so grateful for him. So grateful for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm so grateful for the scriptures that testify of him, that teach me of him. And I love him, and I share my testimony with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I love that Christ is with me when I'm overwhelmed, and I feel his strength to move forward. I feel his voice when talking to one of my kids when I'm not sure what counsel to give them or with a friend that is struggling. I feel him with me when I'm sad, and I feel that he weeps with me when a loved one dies or sad that a relationship is struggling. I feel his forgiveness when I choose not to act the best way in a relationship. 
I feel his encouragement to be better. I feel him give me ideas for my family of how to bring them closer together or how to address a gospel topic. I feel his hope to be with me when a loved one who has passed on. I really do love him. I miss him. I can't wait for the day to be with him again. But in the meantime, I'm so grateful for him helping me along the way. No other way to live than his way and with him by my side. And I say this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. I love you girls. I too have a testimony of Jesus Christ that I want to share with you. I know that he knows me. I know that he has been there with me in my life as he is with each one of us. That as I reflect on those precious times when I have known um, that he's right there, I think about the times when I call on the power of his grace and he makes me more than I am. And that's when I know I'm never alone in this world. I know that he is an advocate with the Father. I know that because of him, I can return to my Heavenly Father. I know that the scriptures testify of him. And as I open those scriptures, and as I learn of him, and I find those who also testify of him, and see how he's worked in their life, I know that we're never alone that we can mess up and he's still there, that he loves us, that he can guide us, and that through his grace, again, we can be made more than we are our long, uh, by ourselves. I know that he's guiding our prophet today, and I know that we can open our voices and testify of Christ, that there is power in his name, just as there is power in his life, in his ministry, and his atonement. And I want to leave this testimony with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us today. And we just want to wish you the best as we continue on this year. And until next time, won't you stay safely under his wings? <laughs>